0: If you look at the transformation of the security program, it did begin with guards and gates, but it has certainly transformed into the identification of crises. What are the crises that can cause us to have an issue with continuity of operations?
1: Welcome to the Rain Insights on Security podcast series from the Rain Network. I'm Emily Donahue. Identifying and mitigating exposures to people, places, and critical assets is a mission critical role for ongoing business continuity and resiliency. And chief security officers face risks that are complex, interdisciplinary, and more challenging than ever before. In this podcast, RAIN founder David Lawrence speaks with Brian Lynch, who recently joined RAIN as the executive director of safety and security. He shares his perspective on the role and the areas that corporate security teams will need to focus on over the next 6 to 12 months. Let's listen in.
2: Brian, it's a great honor and privilege, and we've known each other uh, for now close to uh, almost 20 years. You've had a very distinguished career, both at the FBI, at Vanguard, and uh, now leading our security investigations practice here at RAIN. I thought it would be helpful just to gain some perspectives from you on what it means to manage enterprise risk in today's environment.
0: Yeah, thanks, David, and it's uh, it's great to be with you as well, and I appreciate that question to lead us off because you know I just put together uh, a document that talks about what makes a world-class security program, and it's something that we talked a lot about when I was uh, in that position at Vanguard. And I, and I think it really uh, comes down to a, a number of key components. The first one is ensuring that we have, that the firm has the C-suite support. And, you know, that's not only the budgeting support and the resource res- uh, support, but it's also acting as a visible advocate within the firm. I think the employees really need to see that to drive home that message. And I think the second most important item is ensuring that you have a professional staff that's been properly trained. And it really is a relationship business. You know, David, you and I have talked about that uh, over the course of our association and friendship, that we're in the relationship business and I think that's very, very important to drive that point home across the enterprise and that we're in this together. Security is everybody's responsibility. It happens to sit in the global security area, but it, it really comes down to everybody needs to have buy-in and engagement in that in that product.
2: Too often, uh, people think of security as, and, and the professionals that get hired into this as a matter of overseeing uh, and This is a acute expression, locks and glocks, that a security effort is mostly a physical security, protection of people, the building, dealing with potential acts of violence, etc. I think it's important for people to hear a little bit about everything that now falls under the penumbra of safety and security.
0: Yes, David if you look at the transformation of the security program it it did begin with guards and gates let's protect the perimeter let's make sure that we're visible let's make sure that they're properly trained but it has certainly transformed into much greater responsibility than that it's the crisis management response of the company and With that crisis management response is the identification of crises. What are the crises that can cause us to have an issue with continuity of operations? And are we prepared for that? And do we have the ability to flip a switch and have our operations ongoing at other areas while we take a look at and resolve the crisis? It's about... Managing threats to the firm. Uh, Folks that are listening to this know what I'm talking about because that's the most important aspect of the security mission is to ensure that we are staying on top of the threats to not only the industry and the company, but the specific people that work in that company. And we want to make sure that we don't have any unknown knowns And we want to manage to that. And once we become aware of a threat, what's the plan to address the threat? And making sure that we have the right resources and the right training around our staff to ensure that that threat mitigation is addressed the right way every time. And then you look at physical security of our sites and the security game plans that need to be developed to ensure that we have provided the standard of security that is required of the company, no matter where you sit, uh, whether that's in the United States or whether that's in your home or whether it's anywhere around the world, do we have a standard to manage the threats and manage the typical security standard that the firm has established and ensuring that that gets addressed properly instituted and implemented on a consistent basis across the firm. Uh, Also, I think it's it's really important to talk again about relationships, ensuring that you have the proper relationships, not only with your C-suite, your executive staff, which is critically important, but also your human resources and your legal. Every one of those areas in the company has a particular responsibility to the mission of protecting people. And i also include the contingency piece as well. I think those are the four big areas. And then if you bring in the risk component as well, I think you've got five areas that uh, need to play well together in the sand, have a structured process to address the threats, and then where needed, uh, have the proper contingency plans to make sure that the business does not suffer from those threats.
2: Part of your role as both a chief security officer, but also advising uh, a variety of clients, involves assessing the risk to the enterprise or the risk to a group of individuals within the enterprise. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how you undertake such a process?
0: Yes, so this comes back to risk management and it really is driven by the threats to the firm. In our particular function, we really focused on identifying and taking careful consideration of what the threats were to the firm, both from a firm perspective, but also from an individual perspective. And then we wanted to make sure that we are able to identify the possible crises that could occur in the uh, particular firm that we were in. Each firm is going to have to go through that crisis identification model Uh, that will be identified uh, and, and curated to the point where you're looking at the incidents that can occur that would impact operations that you otherwise could not plan for. And what you are looking to do is in both the threat model and in the crisis model is to ensure that you are doing everything you can in identifying the risks to the company of its ongoing Mission and the operational aspect of the company is not impacted during the course of addressing either a threat or a crisis inside of that risk model. Part of the uh, process of identification of risks and, uh, in particular, the threats or the crises that we talked about is uh, there are a number of tools that are available to uh, corporations today. And, you know, I'm proud to indicate that RAIN has one of those tools. It's called the Global Composite Risk Index. And it is a critical component of a firm's overall enterprise risk management program. And how does that help firms? Firms are always trying to identify risks. And, uh, and those risks are in, in a number of buckets. I've talked about threat. I talked about crises. But there are many other risks to firms. And it really is driven by the particular industry that the firm is in whether that's geopolitical, uh, whether that has anything to do with terrorism, anything to do with the ability to conduct business in a particular area of a nation. So what does the index do? RAIN's index assists clients in identifying and assessing and then defining its global risk profile. And this is critical because, as uh, folks know, the Department of Justice came out with new guidelines. They were issued, of course, in June of 2020. Guidelines to prosecutors in defining the adequacy and effectiveness of a company's compliance program. And RAINS Index is certainly positioned to assist firms in the identification of their risks.
2: What's particularly interesting about the career and the journey you've been on, both in working with the government and a wide range of very important assignments and obviously, with your outreach to the private sector. But over your 10 years at Vanguard, where you had to manage risk and safety and security on a global basis, is I know you've developed and evolved a holistic perspective on safety and security and what it means for an enterprise to be prepared and resilient. And maybe you can talk about the intersection of the different issues and topics about how to protect And enterprise and its people, particularly in an interconnected world.
0: Yes, thanks, David. And let me start the answer to that question with my Bureau experience, particularly in the terrorist financing operations section. We recognize that the FBI could not conduct its business by itself. So we develop partners, both in the law enforcement community and in the private sector. And David, as you know, you are a founding member of an entity that we started that was the national security financial sector advisory group. And that advisory group was comprised of the largest banks and brokerage houses in the U S and it was primarily designed to identify and resolve any funds that could be tied back to a terrorist organization. And we recognize, I recognize that it's just not one agency. It's the holistic approach to solving problems. I go back to my time as a special agent working in a resident agency, which is a smaller office of contained in a division and learning early on in my career that, uh, with the limited number of resources that the FBI had uh, in those smaller offices, you had to develop relationships with your local and state law enforcement agencies. So I learned that early on in my career. And now let's fast forward to, to Vanguard. I took that approach, that holistic approach, to uh, security at vanguard and what did that look like that looked like the uh, process by which we developed the security uh, from the perspective of what are we trying to get to and who do we need to bring along with us who are our partners from a holistic approach and that would be of course our global security uh, team around the globe but also the human resources the legal the contingency services the risk managers, and the executives in the firm. And that's the holistic approach of of protecting not only people, but data, uh, physical location sites, and that we did that on a global basis. And it's critically important that uh, that teamwork is focused on a set strategy, and that strategy uh, needs to be defined across the enterprise. It needs to be not only defined across the enterprise, but it needs to be accepted by and uh, influenced by our senior executive management. We found that that was the best way, particularly in a, a private sector corporate culture, to execute on what was asked of us, which was to protect people, places, and data.
2: I know you were called upon also to sort of help everyone from, and you've dealt with everything from social activism, but also to help out the human resources area at Vanguard in the management of human capital, uh, which included both interviewing people that they had concerns about, the hiring process, the termination process. And maybe you can talk just a little bit about sort of your efforts in terms of how you think about safety and security and the interactions between an enterprise and, and its people.
0: Yeah, that David, I think that's the most critical piece of what a global security head or a CSO does, is to ensure that you're not bringing problems on board. And, and I say that um, from a holistic perspective. Uh, it is a holistic approach to that process. It's not just what the security department does. And that's where the relationships with human resources and the legal department are critical because we're all trying to get to the same answer, which is, are we hiring the right person to fit into the culture of the company? And we, we certainly want to make sure that during that process, we are using all of the tools in the toolbox to ensure that we are uncovering any issues that may be associated with the particular hire. Obviously, uh, the process for pre screening, and that is both uh, through the interview process, through the background investigative process, through electronic fingerprinting that is done, and, and that's looking at the past history, but it's also taking the holistic approach of the individual. And sometimes that requires an interview by both security and human resources and are legal for any particular items that might be of interest during that pre screening process to ensure that we have the right person tagged for that corporate culture. Uh, Because there's nothing more important than the people of a company. And the process of hiring should be the most important process other than the core mission of the company, because it's the people that are going to make the mission and accomplish the mission. People will also cause some of the headaches, the problems that we have in in a company. So it's really critically important that we get that right and i think the partnership that you have between human resources legal and global security entities is critical to accomplishing that hiring process once the uh, process is completed and that we have onboarded personnel of course then we're always making sure that we have uh, the ability to identify where there have been issues or concerns in the workplace and we call that a threat assessment team again global security human resources and legal and it addressed items such as problems with an employee Uh, those problems may bubble up as i used to say to uh areas of concern and those areas of concern might be threatening in nature or they may not be threatening in nature they might be of a behavioral issue and really the team is is looking at handling that in two ways number one do we do everything we can based upon the facts presented to keep that person on board uh, and then use everything we can to help that person through whatever issues they are going through or have we made a determination based upon the facts of that case that we're going to move away from that employee, and then what are we doing relative to the severance package, and what process are we undertaking, and the in the in the manner in which that person will be removed uh, from our employee? and it's very important that that termination or suspension process is handled in the right way, because we certainly do not want that employee to go home and blame the company for their their status of where they are in their career, in their life. Uh, There are certainly um, stressors that occur uh, in a person's uh, work life and obviously being terminated or suspended is one of those stressors. And we want to make sure that we don't add to that process by doing and by performing that termination or suspension. We want to make sure that we present the firm in the best possible light and that we're there to help that person. Move on to uh, to the next chapter in their professional life.
1: We'll get back to our conversation in a moment, but I wanted to speak to you about our concept that shared risk requires shared solutions. The COVID 19 pandemic has drastically changed the business environment for all of us. Rain's community-based solutions provide a scalable approach to address a range of risks and mitigate a range of threats. Insights from across our community feed our platform which provides efficient access to structured intelligence, expertise, and tools. Read more about how we're helping to ensure business continuity and resiliency for our clients at rainnetwork.com slash join. That's rainnetwork.com slash join. Now let's get back to the interview.
2: Maybe you could just spend a minute or two with us and talk about how, as a I'll call it, as an American, someone coming out of the FBI, how you were able to get acclimated and sensitive and attuned to the different needs and sensibilities around safety and security.
0: I was lucky in my Bureau career to have the experience in the international arena. I was a uh, supervisor at FBI headquarters, and I was responsible for a number of our legal attaches overseas. And one thing I learned was that one had to be prepared to understand the cultural and legal and regulatory concerns of that country and the legal and the laws that related to criminal investigations and intelligence operations. So, what did that mean to me going from the FBI into the private sector? I was uh, cognizant of the differences in the cultural and legality and regulatory concerns of each country that you had to take that into account when you were developing your programs. So one of the ways that we did that uh, at Vanguard was to ensure that we had uh, conversations with each one of our sites and the leadership at the site. I had conversations with each one of the leaders at each one of our sites and indicated to them what our plan was, and I wanted their feedback on what that plan meant for their particular office. So we obtained buy-in from each one of the leaders of that particular office. And then I spent time learning the uh, legal and regulatory constraints on our programs for each country. And coupled with both the leadership discussion meeting with the employees of that particular office and doing our self-study on the laws and regulatory constraints of that office. We developed a program that was right for that office, but also meeting the requirements and the demands of what the program was to protect people, places, and data. And it's critically important, I think, to ensure that when you are going through that process of developing that international strategy, that each country is looked at separately, of course, uh, but you'll also spend time with the leadership and the employees of that office to develop the plan that's right for them.
2: Brian, there's sort of a wide range of day-to-day topics that I know you felt it was important that employees be aware of, and maybe we could go through that list and just to sort of start the conversation uh, the importance of getting people to raise their hand, whether it's a suspicious person or package, and obviously depending upon where a company is located, everything from fire but be prepared for natural disasters. Can you maybe just talk to people about how you try to just generally keep people aware of the day-to-day types of events that could occur, most often do not, but nonetheless we have to be prepared for
0: That would be considered the workplace safety program that every firm has. And, you know, you don't want to be the person who's always ringing the bell, right? Hey, everything could possibly go wrong. Everything might go wrong. So we had uh, a process for that that was uh, strategically designed to implement across the enterprise at certain touch points. And uh, prior to doing that, we wanted to make sure that we had buy-in from both senior leadership, but also it was important to have buy-in from human resources and legal. Uh, It was critically important to get buy-in and to get engagement with human resources because anything to do with a firm's employees obviously entails dealing with human resources. And, And, you know, I think therein lies some of the, tension and struggle that a program will have. And I think it's important to know uh, that everybody goes through that. And, and you know, you've got to be able to navigate the corporate culture in order to get what you need to get done to protect people. So sometimes it requires taking the edge off some of the training. Sometimes it, it's about maybe not training to a certain part of that Uh, workplace safety program, but coming about it in a different way. And let me give you an example of of what we're talking about. So let's look at the active shooter situation, David, that you brought up. So uh, in the corporate perspective, uh, we did not want to use the word active shooter training. Uh, So what we came up with and what was uh, uh, agreed to by Human Resources was the internal threat program. Uh, it had less of an edge to it it meant the same thing as uh, as we were training to this with employees but it did not have that cutting edge name to it. active shooter Uh, it worked better in the culture to call it internal threat you're still training to the same metrics you're just calling it something different and that is critically important to ensure that you have the ability to execute on your training module throughout the enterprise. And so let's stick with with internal threat training. It's critically important that in order to accomplish that, there needs to be an overall corporate strategy. And the corporate strategy needs to be engaged to and approved by executive management. And uh, it's, uh, it's really important that that occur because some folks may not like the training because it deals with the topic that uh, they don't feel comfortable with. But So you want to make sure that you have the buy-in of the executives in the firm to help with that process. And it's important that there are planning modules around the execution of that program. And what do I mean by that? There has to be a process to ensure that that training gets into the DNA of the company. And we did that a number of ways. Required annual training. We produced a webinar for every employee to take every year. We made sure that there were materials available on the company's intranet for self-study. We wanted to make sure that we conducted internal threat drills where we practiced what we taught. And then the last component part of that was to be able to scorecard, whether it was a group or a building, uh, scorecard the ability of the folks to execute on information that came in in accordance with the teaching. And we wanted to make sure that we provided that feedback to people so that we can color code it, say, red, yellow, and green and trust me, people don't want to be red or yellow, so the added uh, engagement with the uh, internal control of color coding, the the execution of that was critical, and we provided examples of our teaching. We provided examples where those incidents occurred and what people used in those incidents to, uh, to protect themselves and to lower their risk, and I always talk about being safer, you're never safe in those particular incidents, you're, you're just trying to make yourself safer, and we talk to those actions and options that are available to people.
2: Brian, I've heard, just in the few minutes we have left, um, I've heard you speak about the importance of trust and culture within an organization, and how a security effort is only as good as uh, so the people within an organization their ability to understand what you're trying to accomplish, but also viewing themselves as owners of that process. The same people who'll raise their hands, who will ask questions, who will engage, who will come to you, et cetera. Maybe you could just take a minute or two to talk about that.
0: Yes, David. Thanks for that question, because I think that's you know, the most important aspect of the job is is to be available for employees to see you, to ask you questions, to send you emails. And as I mentioned before, uh, this is a relationship business. That's why I'm so excited about being part of Rain uh, and being able to, to build a security and safety program in support of our clients, uh, because it is a relationship business and we are partners uh, with our clients. And it's critically important that their problem is our problem and their issue is our issue and we're, we're here to assist them in getting through that to the other side of the problem. And going back to my time at Vanguard, I spent a lot of time meeting with people, um, lunches, um, one-on-ones, uh, and that is uh, you know both executives, middle management, Um, as well as employees, security coordinators or contingency coordinators to develop their knowledge to ensure that they were engaged in the program so that they will feel empowered to execute on our program, to give them the ability to help us move the program forward. Uh, If you think about it, and, and folks that are listening to this podcast, you have X number of thousand employees in your company, let's say 15 to 20,000, security probably tops off at 200. There is no way that you can execute on your program uh, by yourself. So we took the approach that we brought everybody we could underneath the tent. And I used to say that when I would give the uh, internal threat training, uh, my last year at Vanguard, we gave that training to over 17,000 people both in person and on uh, on Zoom or whatever the tech uh, technique was that the IT people put together for us. Uh, and and a lot of those folks have heard me speak of that same training for 8 to 10 years. And I always used to joke that, and I would recognize those folks in the audience and say, you guys can come up here and teach this as well. And they got a charge out of that, and they love to hear it, and they heard the same message. It's very important in order to get this program to where you need it to be is that the message is the same over and over again, particularly on the internal threat program, because the options and the actions really don't change. It's the outside factors that you have to adjust to. And the last part of this, uh, we, we, we received a lot of requests for street survival skills. So during the last part of our training Uh, We provided uh, street survival skills, you know, the 15 or 20 different items that you can do to make yourself safer as you're outside your house and you're uh, you're either traveling to a different area or you're traveling internationally. So we we gave that information to employees. And once they know that you have their best interests at heart, uh, they're standing up and they're sitting right in the front row and they want to hear from you. So it's a relationship business And it's all about making sure that you're providing the employee everything they need to be safer no matter where they are.
2: You taught a tremendously successful class at Vanguard that people loved in part because you were teaching important skills that transcended, you know, we'll call it the work hours and the Vanguard campus, about skills that people could use in their day-to-day lives, and in turn, in part, to their loved ones, their children, etc. Uh, maybe you can talk about just what what you were teaching and why you taught it, and a little bit about the response, because I know it's part of the the offering that you've brought to RAIM clients. Yes, thank you, David.
0: Um, yeah, it's, it's related to the internal threat program and the internal threat training. It's an important uh, aspect of of the position. And it was one that I really enjoyed. The training was particular to an active shooter incident, but it it was an active shooter incident at the workplace that we were teaching them what actions and options they had available to them to make themselves safer. I think we'll all agree that there's nothing safe in those situations, but we were trying to impart actions that would make a person safer. But you can also take that information and teach it to your family, and we encourage people to do that. And the feedback I had received from some of our employees, was they did exactly that, and they look forward to these sessions so that they can go home and reinforce that with their family. We also received a lot of requests about street survival skills, and we provided that in the last several sessions in 2019, and we got tremendous feedback on that. And it really comes down to, you know, a process and, and we taught the process to our employees. And I'm very, very excited about being able to engage in our clients at Rain, and helping them where they need that help in executing on either an internal threat program or street survival skills to their employees. And, and more importantly, how did we manage that at Vanguard and how did we make that work in the corporate culture? And, and there is uh, an art form to that. For the folks who are listening to this podcast, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it really comes down to um, the relationship management that we, that we spoke of earlier. And, uh, you know, when people feel that you have their best interests at heart, that you're there for them, that you're providing information that is going to help them, uh, they really appreciate that, and and we were were adamant about doing everything we could in the department to help our employees do their jobs in a safe way. We didn't want to cross the line and being too law enforcement-ish or too militaristic in our presentation, so we can certainly help uh, our clients uh, in, in that regard and, and try to help them. Deliver the message, but do it in a corporate culture that meets their particular company.
2: Brian, uh, first of all, thanks for the time. Thanks for all your public service, and and I'm very very excited about this holistic approach that you have in terms of understanding the various aspects that go into making people and enterprises safe. For time reasons, I'm not going into the relationships you have with local, state, and federal authorities, and the coordination that sometimes is needed there, but obviously that's a resource. Very, very much looking forward to helping enterprises and their people be safer, and to do this in the right way with a lot of collaboration and a lot of cost efficiency. There'll be more to come. You've been tremendously helpful in terms of a global composite risk index, and I know we're working on a safety and security app for people to carry around. Thanks. This has been very, very helpful and very insightful. Thank you, David.
1: RAIN's community enables risk and security professionals to more efficiently respond to emerging threats and to manage complex risk. To learn more about RAIN and how we can help you and your business, visit rainnetwork.com slash join and become a member today. That's rainnetwork.com slash join. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.